Well, amen. You may be seated. Welcome to Southcrest. My name is Matt. How are y'all doing? Y'all doing okay? That's awesome. Uh, super pumped that you guys are here. Uh, today's a really important Sunday, and this whole month is really, really important because we are kicking off our sermon series called Gather and Go. This is our Vision Sunday. We're going to roll out the vision statement of our church and talk about the future and where we are going as a body. And before we even get into that, uh, I just want to say, man, that Jesus is Lord. And uh, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he is our Commander-in-Chief, and he's the one that tells us to gather and go. And we submit ourselves under his leadership and his authority. And so we're not here just for a social gathering or to be the coolest thing in town. We gather because he tells us to in his word, and we're going to go because he also tells us to go. And so I just love that sign, y'all. I mean, I just think it's super cool. And uh, it just is our, it's our statement of faith here. And uh, so, yeah, like I said, today is Gather and Go. It's Vision Sunday. And, you know, we're going to roll out our vision statement here in a minute. And we all know what a vision statement really is. I mean, um, it, it's, it's direction, right? A vision statement gives us our direction in where we're going to go. Uh, it's our rally cry. It's what we're going to rally around as a body of believers so that we can combine our efforts and all row in the same direction at the same time. That's what a vision statement is. We just got back from taking our students to a snowbird student camp, about 100 kids and a bunch of leaders, and it was incredible. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that. One of the events that we did uh, during the day was we rafted the Nanahala. Anybody ever raft the Nanahala? Many of us have. Yep, it's awesome. Beautiful, man. That river is absolutely beautiful. It's a chill ride. It's nothing too crazy. Uh, water is freezing cold, like freezing cold. And uh, if you've ever done rafting before, you have a raft guide, right? Their sole purpose is to make sure you stay alive, right? <laughs> they don't want you dying on their watch. And they're, you know, we had a raft guide. She was amazing. And she would talk through like, hey, here's what we need to do. Here's how you sit. Don't let go of the tea part, the tea handle of your raft or else you're going to bust somebody's teeth out. And, uh, and she taught us how to coordinate our efforts when we're rowing. It was a call and an answer. So she told us to come up with a two-word statement, and she would say the first word, and then we would say the second word. And when we say the second word, we would row. All right? Pretty simple, right? Our statement was Geico insurance. That's what we would say. So she would scream out Geico, and we would all say insurance, you know, and Geico insurance. And so uh, I was in a boat with Seth Cagle, uh, our worship pastor. And so we've been rafting before. We get it. We understand the importance of rowing at the same time, and we're paying attention. The other students that were in our boat sometimes, man, they're just having a blast, man, just having an absolute ball. A couple of times throughout the rafting sections, we wouldn't get that coordinated. The boat wouldn't go anywhere. But, man, the moments that we all got it right, Geico, insurance, Geico, insurance, it took maybe two or three rows, and all of a sudden, man, this boat is, is moving, man. It's really going in the direction in which we want it to go, and that is what a vision statement is. It's what a vision statement does. It gives us our direction. And when we combine our efforts around a common goal, we can see momentum. 
for the kingdom of God. And that's so very, very important. And before we get into the specifics of our vision statement here in a minute, I kind of want to back up. I want to back up a little bit. And I got this nice little fill-in-the-blank card for you guys. And so if you just want to draw pictures on it, that's totally fine. But man, follow along with us. Engage with us in this idea. And and, uh, I want to back up. I want to take 15, 20 minutes or so to back up before we get into this vision statement. And I want to answer the question, why am I here? The deep existential question of why existence? (laughs) Why are we here? You know, the greatest philosophical minds for centuries have... um, have approached this question from uh, Dostoevsky to, to Nietzsche to Kierkegaard. They all have sought to answer the existence question in various methods in different ways, okay? But as a believer in Jesus, as a Christ follower, I go to God's word. I go to the authority of Scripture on the subject of why am I here, and so do you. You should do the same thing. This is where we get our purpose, and this is where we find. And we don't look to material things for our purpose. We don't look to created things for our purpose. We don't even look inside ourselves for our purpose because we know that the heart is wicked above all. That's what God's word says. So where do we go? Man, we go to God himself when we seek objective and absolute truth from God himself. And we find it here in his word. So I know this stuff, this is foundational. So it's going to seem not basic, but it's it's just fundamental here. And why are we here? Why are you here? We were created for God's glory. This is it. All boiled down, summed down. We were created, God created us for his glory. And when we align our lives with this purpose, that's where we find great joy. That's where we align with what we were designed to do originally. So we were created for his glory. Okay, and so this past week, I asked a bunch of people that question. like, what is God's glory? I I sat down with lunch uh, on Tuesday with a dear friend of mine, and and I just asked him that question point blank. He's like, what is God's glory? And I was like, well, that's a really great question. What is God's glory? We wrestled through that definition a little bit, and it's it's a little bit hard to kind of define. And uh, so I wanted to make that clear to you guys, and I don't think that there's a better person to do that than John Piper himself. And he has such a handle on the idea of God's glory. He has some statements. I've got it right there on that card for you. And this is what he says God's glory is, and it's an attempt to put into words what God is like in his magnificence and his purity. It's an attempt to put into a word or words what God's like. It's his beauty and excellence of all of his perfections, his infinite and overflowing fullness of all that is good, the perfect harmony of all of his attributes into one infinitely beautiful and personal being. That's, that's the glory of God. And I know that's still like a handful to kind of understand, but the glory of God is like this. It's the beauty of him. It's not necessarily a material beauty or an aesthetic beauty, but it's the beauty of, of, of all that he is, his character that just kind of emanates forward. And what's really neat is he decided to reveal his glory to us by creation. And I find that absolutely astonishing. And he does it in a couple of different ways. Number one, he reveals his glory to us through nature. 
okay? When we go outside at night and we look up at the stars and we're like, man, that is an amazing picture. Those stars are so far away. This universe is massive. That is God revealing his glory. We see that in Psalms 19. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies above proclaims his handiwork. I'll never forget going to California last year. Got to go on Pacific Coastal Highway number one, and I uh, got to stand on the cliffs with the ocean crashing in and all the sea life. And I was just, I walked up to the edge at Point Lobos, and I was just overtaken by the beauty in front of me. And it forced me, it moved me to worship Jesus and say, God, this is, this is amazing. You are, you are awesome. So he reveals his glory through nature, and then he obviously reveals his glory through humans, through me and you. And in Psalms 8, it says this, you have made him, talking about man, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and with honor. God's glory is revealed to all of us and and to everyone around us by the way we live our lives, man, by the, the good deeds that we do through the creativity uh, of, of what the things that we create, through loving people and through the sacrifice. Y'all, we are, are, are vessels carrying around the glory of God. It's, it's nuts. It's amazing. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So another way that we could put it, even on your card here, is I was created for God's glory, but I was created to glorify him to God and to live in such a way that brings honor to him. That's it. I was created to glorify God and to bring uh, and to live in such a way that brings honor to him. I love that, man, cuz we we were created to worship him and to delight in him and to enjoy him and in turn we're going to live a life that honors him with what we do. There's tons of verses in the Bible about this very idea. James talks a lot about it. Isaiah 43, you see it right there on your card as well. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for what? For my glory. That's what God says, whom I formed and made. Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. What's the light? That's the gospel. That's the love of Jesus. That's his glory shining out of believers everywhere they go. That your light shine before others. So why? So that they see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. There's a bunch of other verses there that you could look up later, but that's it. Guys, when we align our lives underneath that purpose, and I've talked to tons of people over my you know, ministry career and, and trying to help people wrestle through their purpose of existence, and man, life is not, ha- I'm not happy, and I'm not fulfilled right now, and, and I've got all these things and stuff, but Matt, I'm empty on the inside. And I tell them till I'm blue in the face, look, you were created to glorify God and to live a life that honors him by following his commands and his purposes that we find in his word. And when we do that, boom, man, we find that purpose. We find that joy. Is life perfect? No. Will you go through trials? Absolutely. But man, you'll find great fulfillment in that. And you know, so that's, that's it. That's why we were created. And if you look at the story of the entire Bible, you know, we, South Crest Church, man, we preach through God's word. And, and you know, we, there's hundreds of stories and, and 
uh, historical events and things that happen in here, and, and we dial deep into the, you know, the, the meaning of the Greek words sometimes and the Hebrew words, but if you were to zoom out and look at this overarching story over the entire Bible, it's like this four-part story. And it's all for God's glory. It's God's story for his glory. It goes like this, creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. And to briefly walk through it, we're going to continue to talk about it in years to come because it's, it's so important that we understand this. But God created the heavens and the earth for his glory. We see that in Genesis, right? He made man and woman in his image, right, to rule over the earth. Why? Man, because we are carrying his image, so that image can be known and shared throughout the earth. We're called to govern the earth. And later on, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it talks about how we are called to multiply and fill the earth. Why? So that the entire surface of the earth is glorifying and emanating worship uh, uh, to him. That's why. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, C.S. Lewis has this quote, uh, the weight of glory uh, in his book. He says, there are no ordinary people. You have never met a mere mortal because every single person that God creates, God created is, is in his image. That person that you don't like, that person that don't look like you, that family member that just drives you nuts, they are image bearers of God. And yeah, man, lots of people on the earth, image bearers are living contrary to the purpose that God's created them for, but ultimately they are an image bearer of God created for a purpose. And then the fall, that's the next thing. The fall happens, right? Only a couple of pages later in Genesis, God says, man, everything I created is good. A couple of pages later, Genesis 3, sin enters the world, man screws it up. Man screws, you know, basically God said, look, you can eat of all the trees in the garden except for the one that's in the middle. Don't do that. Deceived by the, by the serpent, Adam and Eve eat that fruit, basically saying, look, God, I'm, we're smarter than you. You, you, you mess this up, right? This is a beautiful tree. I want to eat it. They rejected God's leadership and his command, and the result is that sin and brokenness enters into the world. It affects every single person born after Adam and Eve and every square inch of the earth that we are on. That's the fall. Next is redemption. God, loving us, loving his creation, decided that he wanted to redeem it back to himself. He could have wiped us off the face, face of existence and then recreated an earth, but he said, no, I want a relationship with, with my people, right? God is holy, he's righteous and justice, he, just, and he cannot tolerate sin. So every sin requires a punishment. Every sin requires sacrifice. Enter Jesus, Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection atones for all of our sins, and when we accept him into our life, by grace through faith, man, we're adopted into his family. And then he allows us to participate in this redemption plan. It's crazy. And then real briefly, the last chapter, which we're not going to talk about a lot today, is restoration. That eventually God promises to come back and restore earth, creation, back to its original intent. Jesus is going to come and defeat sin and evil and death forever, and God's grace and his glory will rule and reign, and his peace will rule and reign all over the earth. But here's the deal. Before restoration starts, we as believers have a job to do. We get to participate in the redemption part portion of this great plan for his glory. 
right? We're not called to sit back on our hind parts and just wait for good by and by to come and restoration to come. Lord, come on, let's restore this thing. I'm waiting on you. No, man, we, we have a job to do, right? At, on earth as it is in heaven. And so after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, right before he ascended back to heaven, he told the disciples what he wanted them to do, which is us as well. And that's the great commission. The mission from our commander-in-chief is this right here. And we go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the earth. So the mission of Southcrest is to equip believers to fulfill the Great Commission. And every single believer since Jesus ascended until Jesus comes back, that is our mission. That's the mission. Every church, every believer, all over the place, we're called to make disciples. So the question becomes, how? How will we do this? How will we as Southcrest Church rally around this mission of making disciples? That is our vision. That's the vision statement that we're going to talk about here in a minute. I love studying the Navy SEALs. I just think that they're awesome. I want to be a Navy SEAL, but probably wouldn't last a, an hour in Navy SEAL training. Good gracious, man. I mean, they are, they're, they're just awesome. I love watching movies about Navy SEALs. I, you know, Jocko Wilnick's books, reading them. But looking at the chain of command within the Navy SEALs, right? A mission is, is given by the commander, that mission is disseminated down to the officers and the leaders of those teams. And then as a team or a platoon, they then decide how it is they're going to accomplish the mission. That is a vision. That's the how. And that's what our vision statement is. So on the back of your card, our vision is engaging our communities through gospel growth and grace. Our gospel grace and growth. There's no real order to that. But this is it. And if you've been around Southcrest some, this is going to sound very familiar because this is the original vision statement, part of the original vision statement that our church's, church was founded on. It's all this whole relational thing. And, and, and here recently, though, we've updated it and changed it, and we're going to get into some of the reasons uh, behind it. Um, but we're going to engage the communities, the, the, the sphere of people that God places us in through three different relationships, through gospel relationships, through grace relationships, and through growth relationships. This is, this is the vision right here. This is what we're going to put all of, our, all of our eggs into this basket right here. This is our rally cry. This is what all of us are going to do. And over the next three weeks, we're going to break it down. But let's, uh, let's, let's kind of... Let's kind of get into this for just a minute. Why gospel, grace, and growth relationships? And um, we see Jesus, when he was on the earth, he spent his time primarily in those three realms as well. Matthew 4, 23, we see it say that. Matthew 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching, that's discipleship, Teaching in the synagogues. Not only did he teach in the synagogue, he had 12 disciples that he was constantly teaching all the time. And proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That's evangelism. Telling people that don't know about Jesus outside the four walls, telling the good news about how Jesus came, died on the cross for our sins, and we get eternal life through him. And healing every disease and every affliction. That is 
the grace portion. That is meeting needs. And if you were to dive into each of those words, that's what they mean. To teach, that's discipleship. That's an apprenticeship. People coming under the teaching of God's word and growing in our relationship with him. Proclaiming the gospel, that's exactly what that is. Tell them about the good news. And then healing, that word is therapeuo, which is really neat. In the Greek, it talks about how it is to render voluntary service. It means to alleviate suffering. And I'm telling you right now, there are many people in our church and many people in our, in our community uh, that are hurting. They're broken. Recently gone through a divorce, lost a job. Lost a lot. I mean, just hurting on the inside. And they need us as the body of believers to come alongside of them and love them and extend grace. So question becomes, man, how do we make this simple, right? It's like, okay, Matt, you t- okay, you talked about made for his glory and, and all these things. And, and then Jesus has gave us our mission. And that's to make disciples. And now we got this vision statement. How, how, do, how do we simplify this? How do we actually take this outside the four walls and do this? Okay, it's very simple. We're going to focus on three relationships. That's it. We're going to focus on three relationships. All right, and how are we going to do that? On your card, you're going to see, number one, we're going to identify our communities. All right, we're going to identify our communities, where we live, where we work, and where we play. There's three circles there. And so I want to make this clear really quick. There was a reason why we talked about engaging our communities. The vision statement used to be South Atlanta, right? Our communities is not locked to a zip code or a geographical location. Our communities are dynamic. They're changing. They can move, right? It's more the idea of our neighbor. Basically, whoever I'm in close proximity in, that's where God has placed me to, to develop these relationships. Let me, let me give you a couple examples. You might, and I want you to write this in there. Grab your card, write this in there. You might live in Summer Grove. You might work in North Atlanta, and you might ride motorcycles with a bunch of friends, Okay, so do you see how this is not a ge- just a, a geographical zip code area? We're not focused on Southcrest Church and three miles around it, but wherever God places us. There's another scenario. It's, this is a family in our church. They live in Sonoya. They work for a tech company online primarily, but they are originally from Bogota, Colombia, and they fly back all the time, many times a year, they fly back to go be with friends and family back in their, their, their home city. So now their communities now have a global reach and a global stretch because a community isn't just simply a geographical location, right? Or you might live in Hogansville, right? You might work in Fayetteville and your son plays travel baseball, and you spend a whole heck of a lot of time traveling around the Southeast with a group of families, with the teen families, and you spend many hours sitting on, on, in the bleachers watching baseball play, that's your community, right? That is a grouping of people that God has placed you in for a purpose to engage in these relationships. So engaging our communities, I want us to think, okay, God, where are you placing me? Where are you calling me? Where are you putting me? That's where I'm going to go, and that's where I'm going to engage in these relationships. And then number three, identify three people. Identify three people. Number one, 
Who is your gospel relationship? Who is one person in my life that doesn't have a relationship with God? You know that person right now off the top of your head. You might know a lot of people. Maybe you don't just need one. I want you to focus on one. Maybe you got five. But who is one person in your life, in one of those circles, that doesn't have a relationship with God? Boom, there's your gospel relationship. Put that name down right there in that, on that sheet. Number two, who is your grace relationship? Who is one person in your life that's hurting, broken, or in need that I can render voluntary service? Lots of people hurting in our community. Lots of people hurting in our church that just need, they need somebody. Your neighbor might have a broken lawnmower and you're a mechanic and you can walk over there in five seconds and say, dude, you need a new air filter. You don't need to go to Lowe's and buy a whole new lawnmower like many of us would go and do. You would, you would just go over there and help them. You would use your talents and skills to help somebody in need, which then opens the door for you to share the gospel with that person, right? These things work together. They're kind of inter, intertwined, so to speak. And then lastly, who is one person in your life that you can help grow spiritually with Jesus? Right? That might be a, a, a coworker, another believer. That might be getting in a life group, having a mentorship relationship with somebody else. Okay? And that's where you're going to dive into God's word and you're going to uh, study to show yourself approved and you're going to learn about the deep things of God. We're not going to stay on the surface. We're going to go deep. And we're going to do that in relationship with people, engaging our communities through gospel grace and growth or gospel growth and grace relationships. This is it. This is the vision. This vision has very little to do with how cool our building is or how big our building is. It has nothing to do with how big our steeple is on, on, on the top of our building. Now, I'm, I like steeples. I'm not mad at steeples. But this has little to do with us and our comforts and what we want. And it has so much to do about us living our faith out the other six days of the week in the communities that God has placed us in during this time. This requires us to do something. This requires us to use our time, our talents, and our treasure. It requires us to do what Jesus has told us to do in his word, in God's word right here. And the beautiful thing is, is if all of us in here took this serious and said, Matt, yes, I believe this. I, I'm, I'm gonna accept this. I, I'm, I'm gonna do this. If all of us, hundreds of people that are represented here at Southcrest Church, this, this touches thousands of lives in our communities. And then we could see the gospel and the kingdom of God ever expanding in the places where we live, work, and play. And if we would focus on this vision statement, we then in turn would fulfill the great commission that Jesus said, go, go make disciples. Go make disciples. So this is it, man. What if? What if all of us said, man, I'm gonna get serious about these three relationships. I'm telling you what, man, we'd see God moving like crazy. We'd see God moving like just wildfire. Our communities are hungry for this, man. They're hungry to see the love of Jesus and they're waiting on us to get serious about it.